0: You've just entered the
1: the law offices of
0: Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker.
1: If you've come for actual legal advice, you need to turn right around, honey. You need to get out of here,
2: because you ain't going to get none of that. They quibble, and they squabble, and they bicker. But if you
1: want to hear meaningless opinions, this is the right place. They got plenty of that. Stuff that makes no sense at all. They go off on tangents. It's crazy talk. If that's your
2: thing, keep listening. They'll keep talking. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, it's another episode of the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. You've entered the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. Welcome to another episode of the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. On this June second, two thousand and twenty-one, we have uh, a real special guest for at least for me today, um, taking me back to my youth. Uh, His name is John Butcher. He is a multi-talented guitarist and vocalist, and founder of uh, the band John Butcher Axis, which was um, one of the first bands on MTV that highlighted. black musician Um, at the time it was basically him and Michael Jackson that were running in the rotation on MTV and uh, he's going to help us out um, possibly later on in the episode if he has time with our uh, newest client white rappers and black rockers so I want to thank john butcher very very much for coming on to our show today uh, uh, just a quick question to get off the bat um yeah. you, I've, you said that you just before we started the show that you have a new album coming out on june 15th um new. can you tell us what the name of that is and what makes it different from the stuff that you did in the 80s
1: uh wow two big questions yes. uh the name of the album is uh, special day and uh, it's coming out as an independent release june 15th It'll be available everywhere, and I think uh, if I understand your question correctly, what makes it different is almost everything. Um, in the ensuing years, I learned how to sing, I also learned how to play guitar, and I learned how to write <laughs> a song or two. So put all that together, and I think I've come a, a distance from 1983. <laughs> is, is Devil's the-
0: Train off that new album, or that's an old? It is. Base?
1: Yeah, that's a video from the new album.
0: I like that. Very good stuff.
1: Thanks very much. I also uh, made that video. I make all my videos. Uh, I have a company called Watercolors, and what we do is make mini movies uh, for people, artists, musicians, painters, whoever needs to get their their message out in a in a in a video world. Uh, I started that at the uh, beginning of the pandemic, and it's worked out pretty well.
2: So you so you made all of your music videos personally? Yes. Okay. Well that that requires some uh training. I mean, the I've just been trying to learn DaVinci Resolve myself recently yeah. and my <laughs> eyes cross te- often.
0: Yeah. <laughs> did you just teach yourself how to direct or you directed before in the past? No,
1: just- um I started out of, well, look, like everybody else who started out when I did in making records, I did the MTV videos that were sixty thousand dollars plus, right? Big budget, uh deep pocket, major label videos. Well. A cut to 2021, no one can afford that. I can't afford that, to sink that kind of resources into a single video. Uh, If you release an album, you have to have multiple videos, maybe for every track. So I quickly deduced that the best thing for me to do would be to produce my own. And since I was interested in film, I went to school for film uh, before I started my rock career. And I figured this was the best way to utilize that in a way that was useful.
0: So what was the budget on Devil's Train? How much did that cost? You? Something like um, roughly.
1: My resources, I shot, I, I, I shoot all my own ancillary footage and that, I'm, I I maybe have, I don't know, $2,000, $2,500 into it in terms of how it Yeah. It
0: looks nothing. good. Yeah. Not would be surprised.
1: Now, now uh, when I hire myself out to do somebody else's, it's a bit more than that, but not by much. The That's whole good. idea is to- I'm make, glad to hear it's more. Well- <laughs> The whole idea is to make this accessible for people mm-hmm. who don't have big label, uh, big budget, deep pockets. It's that simple. That's what watercolors is.
2: Yeah. I actually really enjoyed the video for uh, how does it feel? And uh, personally, I think that's probably the best song you've got on your website that I'm, that I was listening that's to.
1: That's also out. on the new record.
2: Yeah. Um, I do have a question regarding uh, the devil's train. I don't know if you noticed that part of the chorus from the stroke seems to be, As part of the chorus in that song, "Stroke me, stroke me." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't think so.
2: Well, I'm not (laughs) saying that it was deliberate.
1: (laughs) No, there is a part that does sound like it. Uh, uh, geez, I'll have to listen to it again. Yeah, listen to the
2: stroke, and then listen to your song, and then go. Okay. Are you? I mean, it's not like a a major part of it, but.
1: Oh, are you talking about lyrics or 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 guitar move? uh, You know, chord move. Yeah, riff, riff. The riff. I get it. The riff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I never I mean,
1: thought it's... of that, but I'll definitely give Billy a call and apologize. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't
2: like you were sampling or anything. But... The lyrics
1: are definitely more profound than the stroke. Well, no, I know right. I was listening to it I started I'm going. Not, hey, man, I'm not going to knock my pal. You know, he, he, <laughs> he was doing the best he could. In fact, he didn't do that bad, all things oh. considered, <laughs> well, I think he did pretty well. Pretty well. One, except for that one thing.
2: Right, that one video. Yes. <laughs> Which these days wouldn't have hurt him at all, you know, but back well, then it was just a I don't know, different dude. age.
1: It's <laughs> the first time I don't want. I, uh, <laughs> I I don't want to dig in on him, but it was it's one of the few examples where one thing, one mislip, miss mistake, misstep, call it what you will, brought down the whole building. You
2: no, know, it's actually a great song. About? It was just a horrible music video. Can exactly you yeah.
0: know what you're talking about, guys. I don't know what this video misstep he did. You don't know either.
2: the thing that destroyed Billy Squire's career? No,
0: I don't. <laughs> Enlighten me.
2: Oh, I'll have to track it down. But in the meantime... Yeah. What um, was the name of that song? Oh, wasn't it
1: Rock Me Tonight? Yes, that's exactly was. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure I know it was the song. that
2: music video.
1: Guys, when you get a chance, look it yeah, up. Yeah, it, like, okay, it was right definitely... Away.
2: I just pulled it up. It's definitely Rock Me Tonight from Billy Squire. Yeah, we'll Basically, he went from being kind of like a rock god type to hard to say exactly what he was deciding to do in that video you know
1: what? <laughs> a lot of times and 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 i can attest to this when i was doing my share of mtv videos the label would hire a director right so the yeah. director who has nothing to do with your band was responsible for creating a concept and blah 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 and delivering a project to the uh to the label now oftentimes the artist has little or nothing to say about it right almost right. nothing Maybe you can object after the fact, but that won't help you, your relations at the label. So most musicians that I knew kind of went along with the idea. Do so you think video, he was
2: okay with rolling around on a bed in a pink tank top?
1: I'll bet you a dollar <laughs> that some director convinced him that would be cool. I, I'm telling you.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you get I, that I doubt dollar. <laughs>
1: seriously, he thought of it, you know, because then again, record labels hired these directors to do this stuff and they paid him big money. So right. you're going to follow the program
0: if you're going to be on a major label. And he was. John, in your career, have you ever made a misstep that you look back on and said, up? Oh, that's where I fell off the trails?
1: Back in 85, I did a video for a song on my record called Holy War. I just watched that one. I like All it. right. Well, yeah. then you'll remember what I'm about to tell you. Uh, okay. it, 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 in the video, there are banners of... of uh, what were those two television evangelists names? But didn't it have Baker?
2: like the Ayatollah on there too? Though? Jerry Iatol. Falwell?
1: Yes. They Jerry had Falwell and
2: what, like Jim Baker so there's or something? Giant,
1: there's a giant banner of Jerry Falwell behind me. There's a giant banner of, uh, of the Ayatollah Khomeini behind me. The idea of the whole song was holy war is no good, right? Yeah. Well, that was lost on a lot of people who saw it. And it was the only video I ever did that got me in trouble when I was on tour. I got off a tour bus in Louisiana mm. one day and there was all this protest and cop cars everywhere. And I said to my, my bass player, you know, what's going on? It's about you. I just saw, heard it on the radio and sure enough, Holy war got my ass in trouble or, <laughs>
0: or it made my career depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Well, screw those people. I like that idea. That's yeah, it worked out. So yeah. for
2: a long time you were kind of when, when you, came along, I mean, what started you off was being with the Jay, touring with the Jay Giles band, and that, like, is huge, one opened, huge, big opened, break, huge, right. yeah. And
1: yeah.
2: then later on, you wound up, after your first album came out, you got to tour with, like, Rush and Scorpions and Def yeah. Leppard. All the metal and, bands, yeah. And I'm wondering, um, what exactly was that experience like coming out of the gate? I mean, I had seen an interview with you where you said it was just bizarre because you couldn't even get a record deal until you went on tour with uh, Jay Giles. But then suddenly you're with these high profile bands that are like international. Yeah, there you things. are. Mm-hmm. The
1: tours themselves, the Giles tour was, was amazing because it gave us instant credibility to record labels who had been kind of sniffing us around for a couple of years. So all of a sudden, we did 72 dates with the Giles Band around the country and to to sold out arenas. Right. So and we were the opening act and we killed it. Uh, And that's how we got our first record deal. And so from there, doing tours with Def Leppard was was a gas. But I started to realize that I was kind of getting typecast as a metal band, which I never was. Uh, The Mm. records that I made were never like quote unquote metal. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they were just more than that. So i, I by the time we went out with the scorpions, I was not not feeling it too much. Really, uh-huh. I was feeling, yeah, because like, that was you know, like the heyday I, of
2: the hair bands.
1: Dude, right? put us. I said to our agent, "Listen, put me on opening up for the police, or put me on opening up for any number of acts with kind of a wider swath than just metal."
0: Yeah, and
1: and uh, you know. Uh, Again, that's that's no knockdown of, of, of the music or genre. It's just that I felt like Axis had more to give than that. That was the only complaint I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, we made thousands of fans.
2: Well, with a name like Axis, which I'm assuming is associated with Axis Bold is Love from Jimi yeah. Hendrix, yeah, that makes you sound kind of metal, you know, with a name like that. I don't
1: that. know. Maybe. You know, I, I didn't think the records sounded metal. I think they sounded like like hard rock. And I think there was even on the first couple of records, there were a couple of acoustic centric songs yeah. that weren't ballads, just acoustic, you know, acoustic guitar instead of electric. So it's it's really it was a matter of perception. Yeah. And if I had it all to do over again, I wouldn't change anything except maybe the touring that came after the Giles Band tour.
2: You're talking about the touring with uh, Dev Leopard and Scorpions, Scorpions and, and, and too a, metal-ish.
0: A, a few others. Yeah. But the Jay Giles decision to have you open for them. Did they know you guys personally? Dude, it sure was me and my bass player were in our apartment in
1: North Cambridge freezing. Cause we couldn't afford to have heat that month. It was in December starving, no food, no heat and the phone rings and who is it? But the tour manager from the Giles band who we'd never met before. He, he said, I heard about you guys, you know, we were playing locally and beginning to get a following, but I wasn't making any money. And, uh, he asked if we were free to do three days at the Boston Garden uh, around New Year's Eve. Uh, I didn't have to check free? my. I didn't have to check my calendar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I knew uh, I, I, said,
0: <laughs> I, knew I was. available. I
1: guess, yeah. So 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 we said of course, and doing those three dates, th- three dates consecutively at this at this twelve thousand seat venue. Kicked off my our career in a big way because we you know we were good we were a good live band a good trio that had a lot more to offer uh, than people expected it was a lot more poly it was a lot more rhythmic and a lot more had to do with uh, 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 I mentioned the police again and Stuart Copeland as a drummer than it had to do necessarily with just metal music so we were the perfect opener for
0: Giles I mean did it, you it, buy some ramen. Hey, huh? did, you buy, did you buy some ramen after that first show? Ramen? Yeah,
1: yeah. we could afford ramen right after. Actually, when we got back, we did those three dates. And when we got back, from, we did uh, three dates there and then another two dates in Providence and somewhere else. And by that time, it looked like, geez, maybe this band is going to, something good might happen. Sure enough, they invited us to do 72 dates after that. Wow! Wow. Yeah. So that was like, you know, that was what kicked it off. So was who was it from Christians.
2: Giles' band who was into you? Was it like Peter Wolf, or was it actual Giles himself? Peter or?
1: Wolf and Seth.
2: Okay. And yeah, the
1: the guys who were in charge. <laughs> right.
2: They're like, we want them. Well, that's great. Yeah,
1: that's exactly what happened.
2: And so, so your history, from what I understand, is you you were born in like Philly or inside in yeah. that area, then you moved to Alaska at a, at a young age. Where I grew and, up. Yeah. And you grew up until, like, your final year of high school in the sticks, essentially.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
2: And so what, what's that kind of like being out? I mean, you moved from such an urban environment to Nowheresville.
1: When I was in that urban environment, I was a little boy. Okay. and I didn't know from anything. So, we, so I grew up in uh, – I went to a school called Brown's Trailer Park School. I, and it I, was a school That's hot, a one, great
2: name for a school I got to. One
1: you. single <laughs> one single room with three grades in it and four people in each grade and we were all in the same room. This is a small school yeah, and a I'm small kidding. village in an out of the way place right? No, man. So looking back on it now I was I'm glad for that. I'm glad for it I didn't grow up in you know in the, on the mean streets. I'm not sure I would have been the same guy. Yeah. As it was I I came back to the East Coast for my last year of high school and had to make the big social adjustment, you know, and 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 uh, sort of encounter uh, uh, some bigotry and some weird looks and a lot of other stuff I wasn't used to having grown up where I did.
2: Well, you probably moved there, coming out looking like a bit of a hick, I would think. Going, I mean, the reason I say this is that I went to high school overseas in the Philippines and I came right. back to Baltimore. So it was not quite the same, but a similar thing where. And I was kind of accused of being a bit of a hick because I didn't necessarily have the worldliness of the guys who were raised in that city environment.
1: Right. But, um, I didn't have that, but I had an ace in the hole. I, yeah. played, I played guitar.
0: Right.
1: So that everybody in high school who had a band found out that I played guitar and I had one and I could play it. And so that got me over from a social, from a, a social stance. Otherwise, who knows?
0: What years was this me- about? huh was this the early 80s late 70s What, what years yeah, that talking?
1: would have been uh 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 1974
0: oh wow so I what kind sports. of music were you into then like what, what who was your guitar heroes
1: yeah
2: i think that uh it was gene autry was his guitar hero greg
0: well you were as a little boy oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah all the singing cowboys because where i lived we got all these old westerns like years after the fact mm-hmm. and so i'm watching gene archery when most people with kids were watching batman and 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 hop along uh, cassidy and yeah exactly (laughs) so i got interested in playing guitar because of that but when i had moved by the time i was living back on the east coast and going to high school man i was you know jimmy and and electric guitar and stratocaster and please give me more so why do you
2: think that um your career didn't quite gel at the same level as michael jackson per se is because you got too closely associated with the metal bands perhaps or, no, or is so. you weren't that comfortable with what you were doing or I,
1: I, look i'll tell you something when i listen to my first two records and i'm i have to be careful when i say this because those records are important to some people but when i listen to them all i can hear is a guy who didn't know what he was doing and we were kind of constricted by a producer uh, uh, the late Pat Moran, who produced uh, 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 Robert Plant's solo records. Okay. Uh, we went to England to do these my first two records. And this guy had a kind of a, a, an idea in his head. He'd never seen me us live. So he had an idea in his head of what it would be. And dude, if I had been able to, to go in and just set up the band and play like we normally did, those first two records would have been a lot different. And I think my career arc would have been different, but I put it to those first two records, which made the impression, you know, the life takes a life and that video and everything was great. We got great acceptances at MTV, but it didn't, it didn't capture what the why we got the Guiles tour. It didn't, those two records don't explain
0: Mm.
1: why we were hired to open up for one of the most popular bands in the world. It's because we were a great live act. And that is not reflected And those first two records, more, more is the pity. So I've moved on from there, but I think that's the explanation.
2: When did you finally have that epiphany where you went?
1: When I was able to start producing myself, I did the wishes record. I was living in California and I did the wishes album, which was my biggest record so far in terms of sales. And uh, I had a producer there too, by the name of Spencer Proffer. But I said to him when we first met, look, I, you have to let me do this myself. If you want to take credit on the records and put your name on it, I'm fine. I understand how that game works. But you have to let me do that. And that record, the Wishes album, sounds like me. And it was, you know, it was the first time I was kind of feeling, allowing, being allowed to self-produce, which was really important. I wish I'd been able to do that from the very beginning. Makes sense.
2: Yeah, that would have totally given you a different arc. Now I do want to pivot a little bit because yeah. we're running a little short on time. Sure. Um, which is your work in cowboy reenactments, and uh, <laughs> how that led you to doing music for the show Deadwood and actually being on the show Deadwood. Okay. Because Deadwood is like one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, I've been. I heard an interview where he said, "If you blink, you missed it." And I think I blinked because
1: um, <laughs> I'll. Uh... I'll tell you the story really quickly. Um, after Axis finished touring, I was burned out. The band was burned out. We were burned out on being on the road and not meeting big commercial success. It was a grind. So I decided to move to California, just almost on a whim. I want to try some, a different scene and see what I can do. And when I moved out to out west, uh, that's when I met Spencer. That's when I got my record deal with uh, with Capitol, and. When I was recording one day, there were these guys that were doing a TV commercial in front of the Capitol building for uh, Heinz Ketchup. Oh, and they were all dressed up in Western guard, right? I mean, the horses and the cowboy boots and shaps and all that stuff. So I'm talking to the guys in front of the building before I had to go, you know, before I was going to work. And lo and behold, I said, well, listen, uh, John, do you know how to ride? I said, do you mean horses? Sure, I do. Well, Just of course the ones I didn't. in front of the
2: supermarket.
1: I didn't know how to ride, but I said I did. <laughs> oh,
3: and you led... didn't. Oh, I, I figured that was your Alaska upbringing coming back or something. <laughs> yeah. But no, no all great. right. No,
1: man. No,
2: he rode polar bears.
1: Yeah, I never yeah. rode a horse. But I told him I did. And they said, You're hired. Literally, I fell in with these guys because of that chance encounter. And I did a, a they were a cowboy reenactment group that did TV commercials, you know, like where you see a bar fight. Or something like that, and then they sell a product at the end. You know, it could be ketchup, it could be anything. You know, New York City, that stuff, right? <laughs> I was thinking about right. that. The salsa yeah, coming. exactly. That's what. What I was. an
2: interesting group to fall into
1: by I accident. I know, I know, but I was, I was having fun. Yeah. I was living in California for the first time in my life, and and meeting all kinds of people. And I met Jeff Beck uh, nice. in the first couple of years that I was there, and did a video with him, and and it was an exciting time and I enjoyed the cowboy stuff. I thought it was a gas. It was fun. It makes for some great pictures too.
2: So do you still carry any chaps around with you? Like, uh, you, you know, like some guys wear garter belts, you like wear chaps and the spurs. no, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's it's very sad that's too bad no <laughs> <laughs> trying to find dirt
1: on him you could do a whole, yeah. <laughs> whole the cowboy themed oh i'm sure there's it. dirt somewhere but it isn't in shacks i'll tell you it's that. it's not in shacks yeah that's good well i want to
2: touch briefly on our client for today which is um because you know you're kind of a guest attorney we're none of us are yes. really attorneys this is a fake thing but okay. um the, the, the client for today is white rappers and black rockers now you know, that seems like overly obvious, but, you know, I find it kind of fascinating in, in terms of heading with the black rocker aspect of it is that in terms of in hard rock, there weren't a lot of guys like you. You know, prior to you, there was maybe Phil Linott from Phil, Lynott Phil Lizzie. The first guy I and then kind of that. like after you is pretty much Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Currently, there's uh, Gary Clark Jr., who I'm really enjoying that guy. And, is really is doing well
1: by, and he's doing well, by the way
2: he is you know but and and, you know conversely in the rap department there's basically uh, the white guys there's like who've done well there'd be eminem and like the beastie boys yeah i guess post malone kind of falls into that and i wonder if you have a take on you know what is it that why the cultures haven't crossed more that there's people who are more involved in that and you know Brandon, greg feel free to
1: when your comments too when i started making video uh, videos for mtv there was a, a partition. It was an unspoken partition that black musicians or artists uh, not wouldn't be readily accepted by a white consumer. Uh, to me, that sounds crazy. I've proven it wrong a dozen times at least, but that was the, the that was the partition, and and that was uh, it wasn't anything that would it was codified into rules. But but it was the it was it was hell for me to kind of make my way onto the MTV playlist, right? I had to I had to scratch and show numbers and and go on big tours to do it. So I guess there's a there's a hesitancy with some programmers maybe of radio or uh, 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 of certain stations of certain places to consume music. There's a perception that there, you you can't mix the two. And I think it's been proven uh, absurd B- f- by now. I can think of many acts that combine uh, both rap and hard rock into one package. You know, there there are examples of it. But I think at the time that I was coming on the scene,
0: that partition was there. I find it so strange, though, on the one half of the equation, Black rockers, because Black people invented rock and roll. That's what's weird. It's well, almost just like they invented it.
1: Yeah, ask little Exactly,
0: Rachel. Chuck Berry, all those guys—they invented exactly. rock and roll from old fifties rhythm and blues, turn into rock and roll. And then it's almost like black people said, "We don't want to do this anymore. We'll leave it to the white people. They can do well, it."
1: Well, but I don't know. Then I
0: mean- leave it to the white people. What? What is this idea, Greg? <laughs> that it, it, it almost seems like black people abandoned rock and roll. Like we're most, that's I why think- so many rockers are white.
2: Yeah, I think
3: they. I think that uh, where 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 rock and roll kind of diverges, and I'll defer to our guest council. You know, uh, the 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 music that that African Americans did became blues, and and there's still you know a lot of white people doing blues music, but right. there that's still kind of quote unquote rock and roll. I think what what we're talking about is what white people did and made it scorpions and death leopard. Well, they're whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, it became, it became heavy metal and suddenly it became something completely different. And there's just not, I mean, in living color, maybe was, was that. What did you
1: think of that? What did you think of them? I liked them. I did. I, liked I didn't I
2: th- buy their album, but I liked their song that was on MTV. Cult of Personality.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. Cult of Personality um, was a great song. But for me,
2: I didn't buy the album because lyrically, that song, part of it was just too repetitive for me, and so I'm like, that wasn't yeah. really my thing. I mean, I was into the the heavy metal scene at the time. I was like into Sabbath and Dio and Iron Maiden and Cult. And
0: you worked Cold. at MTV at the time, so you had this thing in your brain about black rockers. What? <laughs> I'm just being I, That I, I'm like, like I worked at MTV. That sounded like
1: somebody making a charge right there. Right. I, I'm drawing a
2: blank. Greg, Greg, like, Greg I was not. in high school at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was not working at MTV. The youngest
0: executive at MTV. Are you calling
2: well, me a racist? What the hell? One of
0: the
3: one of the greatest...
2: Jacques, <laughs> That's Jacques right.
3: One Hughes. of the greatest punk bands of all time, Greg, was African American. And I'm drawing a blank. They were from BBC. Oh, I... Bad, Bad Brains! Yes. Bad Brains yes. is like one of the best rock bands of all time.
2: Easily, well, you know. We just found out it, yesterday right. that suicidal tendencies had a couple of African American members as well. You know, as a yeah. major punk band. I don't too. think
1: that that's been true, though. It, though, though, the partition I was explaining may have been true for me in in those days. I don't think it's true anymore, particularly given the fact that music is so uh, fragmented. Yeah.
0: You yeah. know,
1: you can go anywhere online to get anything you're looking for, anything. Yeah. And people consume music, not by albums, very rarely. They consume songs, right? Right. So that kind of breaks down whatever there was, whatever dynamic that there was that kept me from being a regular on MTV at the time, whatever that was is, is dissipated because MTV is no longer the, the, the force it was to begin with. Right. The entire business is fragmented.
2: Yeah, I mean MTV now is reality shows. There's less
0: gatekeepers now, like like absolutely. The old days, there was like the big corporations. We don't like your face. You don't. Nobody's ever going to hear you. You'll never get heard. And these days, kids'
2: musical tastes are just so diverse and eclectic. Totally, dude. It's like one of my kids. He's in his twenties. He knows more about Blue Cult than I ever knew. He's like delved into every single album of theirs. He's like I tell think, me about but, their but, new stuff. And I'm like, they have new stuff? I'm like, I don't even know anything about I that. I think
1: that's beautiful, though. That makes <laughs> yeah. my point. The, the uh, kids now who consume music will will groove on what they like. If they dig it, they'll groove on it, and they'll follow you. And I know that because it's happening to me. It's happening mm. to me right now. The the generational interest. It has knocked me. I almost fell down uh, looking at some of the uh, correspondence that I get through social media. So I, I think those those uh, those old lines are, are erased and no longer relevant. And the decisions are no longer in the hands of a few guys, corporate yeah. executives. They're just not.
2: I think some of them are still trying to hold on to that, but it's just working against them these days.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a I'm not sure it's a business model that's going to stay around. <laughs> that's
2: right. Yeah, that whole model has just changed. I wish we had had more time to talk with you because there's definitely a lot of things I want to pick well, your heck, brain about. Well, heck, let's just
1: do it again sometime. I- I'm that's a good certainly. Time.
2: That would be fantastic. We. Why don't we just through? do that?
1: Let's make another time to talk. Like I mentioned, like I mentioned at the beginning, guys, my record is uh, is available. A release isn't like it what it used to be, where there was a where was a record store you could go to and pick up the vinyl. What it is really is making it available to people who want to purchase online, and making enough noise so that there's some awareness. So right. from from June fifteenth for the rest of the summer, I'll be doing a lot of talking about it, and I would love to come and talk to you guys again if you'll have
0: me. Sure, absolutely. Totally.
2: I mean, I don't know how the other two feel about you, but I am okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I would Ooh, cool, man. Well, thank
1: you for having me on. I really had a good time with you. I really did. Well, Thanks, it's like, nice. uh,
2: let's promote that your album's coming in, out again on June 15th. Can it's can called Special,
0: it. Day. Yeah, Special Day. Special Day will be on
2: Amazon Music and iTunes, and it'll be on everything, your website. Everything, and people can everything. find you at johnbutcher.com. That's j o n Butcher.com. Yep. And uh, if you follow the Axis, you will find him. Um, yes, you will. Not the axle, but the Axis.
1: No, please don't follow the axle. <laughs>
2: no. But we'll continue talking about our client today. Unfortunately, without any more help from John, because he's got to go run because he's, you know, getting famous again. So <laughs> uh, he's got lots of other interviews to do. But thank you again, John. Thanks, guys. And we'll definitely book this. Thank th- you. This again. All
1: right, I hope to talk to you again soon.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Thank happen. you.
1: Bye. Take care, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. And so, thus, it becomes us. Well, I believe this is the first time we've only had a guest for a half an hour. Normally, we can like. It is yank it out of them but you know that's why they ask these questions <laughs> so white rappers guys how many of you know who Paul Wall is of you all of the thousands of you that I'm talking to don't know, <laughs> don't know. okay so he's like a really big name rapper who's a white fella and um, you know fella? fella I say fella you know it's a good a ubiquitous term it's one that can be uh, approved or disapproved by anyone and it'll identify
0: as a fella do you know
2: um i what think about, he, a white fella actually
0: but anyway what about paul wall
2: well i'm just saying he is another white rapper in terms of defining i think the difference between white rappers and black rockers is because rock has its roots in african-american or african culture african descent culture i suppose would be more accurate <laughs> um whereas rap has nothing to do with white people initially other than you know the language that's being used being English, you know, coming from Caucasians, and that's the extent, I think, of the connection white people have to rap culture, and I think, I'm just curious like, where it falls along the, you, you knew the Beastie Boys when they were still a punk band, right, Brendan? Yeah.
3: Well, I mean,
0: sure, yeah what was, I I the think, albums.
2: were they called like, uh, I think they were called like the Young <laughs> Aborigines or something like that, was what their original name was
0: I never heard this i don't no. think so
3: i think they were the beastie boys the whole time
2: yeah i, I came across something today which said that that they had a name
3: They may have had an, an earlier band but when they sort of made the scene in new york as a punk hardcore band they were the beastie boys they even had a they even had a song they did where they explained what beastie was because that's some kind of dipshit acronym that i don't remember what it stands for
2: beastie is is an acronym mm-hmm. It's like the acronym.
3: whole word is an acronym. Yeah, like be everything awesome in so many times. I don't know something. I forget. <laughs> I'm sad, sure buddy? you could. <laughs> I'm sure you could Google it. Yeah, it was like you know there was a lot of punk acronym bands, and they took the they took the uh, crown for the longest acronym that they made into a word. that... <laughs> And wow, I'll have thing, to track that down. that would be their weird. first
0: single for Cookie Puss was actually a novelty rap song. I mean, it's it's a total novelty song. There's someone talking to someone over the phone like a prank call. Yeah, Cookie Puss, Cookie Puss was
3: right. Cookie Puss was really their first foray into rap. But prior to that, like Pollywog Stew and stuff like that sounded like they even did. I think when they were on Saturday Night Live, they did one of their old punk songs, which was kind of interesting. Well,
0: yeah, what I see here
2: is that they formed as a four-piece punk band, The Young Aborigines, in 1981, by Diamond, John Barry, Yalch, and Kate Schellenbach. And then they appeared on a compilation, Gazette, New York Thrash, before they recruited their first EP, which was Pollywog Stew, in mm. 1982. So I guess they shifted out of the aboriginal content. They weren't yeah. singing about kangaroos anymore when they wanted to rap. And and, and
3: and and, and by rings. the way, in '82, those guys were probably 14 years old, maybe 13. They're not much older than me. I mean, maybe a year, one way or the other. Yeah, that yeah, sounds about
2: right. right. I mean, I, I think they were about the same age as me, and I was 15 or 16 in right. '82, yeah. something like that. So, well, so were you in the punk scene in New York back in the '80s? I thought you were in more in Seattle.
0: They were the national. West. Everyone knew what they. Me?
3: Were. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I, no, but of course, you knew the New York punk scene. That was the thing about punk. We're getting into punk music now. Punk music had, had regional areas. Like the New York punk scene was a very, it had its own vibe, just like the Seattle punk scene had its own vibe. And LA had its own vibe. Everybody kind of had their own, like, whatever. I forget Boston. Boston. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of had their own thing. So, you know, a New York punk band would come to Seattle and be like, oh, you know, and so it was just, so, you just knew, I mean, that was where you got into zines and, you know, everybody making their own little stupid magazines about the local thing. And then they'd interview people. And it was very tribal
2: punk rock music back in the 80s. It makes you wonder how the Beastie Boys went into rap then from that. Is it, I guess maybe it's an easy transition from rap into, from punk into rap, maybe. Because punk be isn't like all comics. about mo- melodies per se. You know not heavy melodies it's a little more rock. you don't have it's to play well
0: hard. on your instruments you don't have to be that virtuous virtuosic
2: well yeah i think back in the day the rap was mainly being used on the uh, turntables and but, but the band that records. started
0: hardcore basically was the bad brains that he mentioned earlier and minor threat i don't think King he mentioned Bains i think you hardcore. mentioned
2: bad brains no, Rick. he
0: mentioned them and i concurred couldn't remember oh. the um, name Ah. But Bad Brains were a minor threat, got all their chops from them. They saw them doing that, that super fast jackhammer beats, and they said, that sounds great. But here's an interesting story about the about Bad Brains, which I love. They loved reggae music, too, like really slow dub reggae. It wasn't a fusion of punk and reggae. It was reggae. And they would love to get booked at a reggae club, and they'd do their total hardcore set for them. And then they'd get booked at a punk club and just do an hour of like, dunk dunk dunk. Dun. Jaw, I love jaw. They just love to piss people off. Wait, could
2: you sing that again, Greg?
0: I'm not exaggerating. They have a song called I Love Jaw.
2: I know, but I want you to do that.
0: Little I re- love jaw. <laughs> 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 think- Sounds like you're a dentist. <laughs> but they would do that all the time and piss I off. I love jaw.
2: Everyone.
0: But uh, I love the fact they did that. That's so funny. Their
2: sequel, I Love Maxillofacial Surgery.
0: <laughs> I Love Molars. <laughs> but I, st- I still think though it is strange that black people invented rock and roll and yet there's such a paucity in the history of rock and roll i know well, there's but see there. that what
2: doesn't make sense though, is they invented rap too but they haven't given that up
0: i know that's the so
2: true. is it actually? I mean, you make it I, sound like all black people got together, like, and they made a decision. <laughs> I don't like, think that's we, how it we're works. We're gonna give rock to the white folks. <laughs> you know what I think? Black. You know, what happened
0: is black people moved on to something else. They invented another great form. They started doing soul and funk, and said, "Okay, we're done with that rock and roll. We invented it." So we got. When you say, you when you say, uh,
3: I don't know, when you <laughs> say that that rock and roll was invented by black people. Give me a solid example of how it was like just black people that created rock and roll.
0: Well, all that early proto rock and roll, like the jump rhythm and blues from like 50 to 55, which I have all these comps of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rocket 88 by Jackie Brenston. Uh, I don't know if you know that. I think what,
2: wasn't Ike Turner part of that too?
0: Yep. And this yeah. is like 54 before anyone had ever used the term. Yeah, that's and kind roll, of that's considered, considered like the
2: first rock record is Rocket yeah. 88. Yeah. 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 Now okay.
0: Back, but when that came out, nobody said, whoa, this is this new sound. We're going to call it rock and roll. I thought Michael
2: J. Fox did it in Back to the Future. No, I'm sorry, oh, man. yeah, I
0: forgot about that. Ripping off Wasn't Berry. he there? A white <laughs> yeah. guy ripping off a black artist once again, taking the credit. <laughs> but um, And so, you know, basically all those guys were black. I don't think there's one white guy. You know, that was called race music. And then, of course, obviously, there's some influence in rock and roll, like the rockabilly stuff. That's obviously from country swing, white people music. But for the most part, A lot of the early guys were black guys who, like, Mm -hmm. basically made the rules for rock and roll, maybe, or laid the groundwork. And then within ten years, who did you have in rock and roll who was black? Hendrix wasn't even around yet. Right. They they were. They had moved on to like stuff like Sam Cooke, Otis Redding. I mean, soul, uh, Motown, I guess, which you know that's part of the rock and roll umbrella, but it's pop mostly. Right. But it's it's just odd to me. It was fun and strange. Yeah. Well. Especially yeah, but I, I,
2: I find it strange that still you say it's like a committee that came to this conclusion. I never they, said that. They cannot be part of rock anymore. I they all got together and of- said, we're done. No, but give rock to the white people and we're not going <laughs> to do it anymore.
0: There was it's a like conference.
2: conclusion. There's a conference. Well, <laughs>
0: we, now I mean, declare we shall you know, never play rock and roll again. A lot,
3: of, <laughs> a lot of sports were created by white people and that you know are not really white people sports anymore so you know it there's 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 give and take in the whole you know racial what are, what are
2: white people sports you talking about
3: like hockey basketball yeah. was invented by white people okay football football was invented by baseball? white people uh, baseball you was talking invented- about
2: american football
3: yeah, I'm talking about yeah. football, asshole. Not soccer. Soccer <laughs> was eventually. Well, in like, the
2: rest of the world,
3: what do you? Li- what country do you live? in Portland. The outside of Portland is
2: Europe now. Like I used to be a member of a you know a, a country that belonged to the International Football Association, which they considered considered you know what we call soccer here in the United what, States. What
3: country was that?
2: That was in the Philippines.
3: Oh, the Philippines, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. huge world power. <laughs>
0: So, did they call baseball hockey there? They call yes, baseball they stick. <laughs> stick. Let's play some stick, everyone. You want to play stick. No, we're not going stick.
3: That's a terrible <laughs> Filipino accent. That by is the way. not a
0: Filipino
2: accent. No. I don't know what that accent was.
0: That was I an don't Irish mean.
3: Jamaican. Kind of was an Irish Jamaican, I think. I think I was riffing off the earlier. Uh, There's got to be a ahead. lot of
2: Irish Jamaicans around, though. I think that's definitely it. Top of the morning. I, Patty. It's like when Irish people actually. Moved to Jamaica, they uh, and then they created a whole branch of uh, I don't know people. <laughs> they I don't know what a I'm talking of about anymore anyway. I've know. lost my mind for a second. They, I I started they, thinking about how people with my last name emigrated to Argentina and created a colony there, and I was like, I got stuck in that thought while I was thinking of the Irish people moving to Jamaica, and they got fa- confused in my head.
3: What what I found out recently is that a lot of Scottish and Irish people uh, immigrated to India. Like, there's a lot of Indians that had Scottish surnames and Irish last names, but are full-on Indian. And But they are not. Their last name is, like, McGillicuddy. How would you
2: pronounce words with both an Indian and a Scottish accent?
3: I don't know. I worked with a guy briefly uh, who literally looked like like Bollywood, but sounded like Sean Connery. <laughs>
2: wow. I know I've tried but in they, the past to do like Irish or Scottish accents, but I always wind up sounding Indian at some point as I try to keep... Would
0: they make Tandoori Haggis in that part of India?
2: <laughs> that might be good, uh, actually.
0: I don't know. He was just real excited. I remember when I first
3: talked to him, he goes, Brendan Haggerty. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, you know, there's a lot of Irish people in my part of, the, of India. And I'm like, is this sean connery who is this and then he puts himself on zoom and i'm like oh my god you do not look like your voice at all and he goes i know
2: <laughs> it's an indian with red hair
3: yeah it was but his i guess his grandfather was was 100 scottish
2: that it would piss off so many kkk members knowing the story you know yeah yeah that's like why miscegenation yeah, across so anyway. the planet. You know, wasn't there an Ursula K. Le Guin novel which talked about eventually we'll all become gray because of the mixing of all of the races? Like, it's eventually like there'll only be one theory. color and that'll be gray because we mix them all together.
0: That's the mud people theory that racists, how we're all going to be mud people. It's like, no, <laughs> we'll all just have, we'll just have nice complexions. We'll have nice, you know, we'll all just, tan be, ta- we'll just be tan, whatever, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah. Well, which is what most yeah, many people are aspire to anyway, is just being tan. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, why they I spray don't... orange stuff on themselves all the time. Yeah. Greg, have you ever thought about doing that? Like getting into a tanning booth and just getting sprayed all over?
0: Oh, I thought you meant miscegenation. I thought about that a lot. <laughs> that. But um no, I've never cared about a tan. because I, I don't care what I look like, obviously. So it's you care a little trouble. bit. Yeah, I guess I don't take my clothes off in public.
2: I think and you then, need to shave your facial hair where you just take the gray out and leave everything that's still brown. And I think you'll have a very interesting pattern. That's not much left on your face. Yeah. Well, no. I think I curious. think it would be an unusual and one, one where it would nobody else would have it. I think you would. It would put you at the cutting edge of facial hair in the area.
0: It would be geographic face. That's what they call it.
2: <laughs> geographic face. Why would they like call that? Like geographic
0: tongue. You know when you get all those bumps in your tongues. What? You
2: never heard of geographic tongue? Geographic
0: tongue? You're lucky. It's it's not a pleasant thing to have.
2: Geographic tongue. It's like your your tongue is the shape of Greenland or something. (laughs) South America. What are you talking about? What is geographic tongue?
0: Yeah. Look, I'm Argentina. No, I don't know what geographic tongue is. Something where you've got like bumps tongue. you don't know what it is. You
2: just made it up then.
0: I don't know what causes it. I'm not a doctor, but it, like, it basically leaves bumps on your tongue, so it looks like a map. So That's why they call it the geographic tongue. When you you say they call,
2: who, are, who are the they that, that's calling it that? The medical
0: community. The, the medical.
2: Doctor. That's the actual Latin term is geographic tongue?
0: Yeah, they're nah, the nah. same ones. They, they're the same community that told black people they couldn't do rock and roll anymore. The medical <laughs> community. From this point forward, you shall not be able to play the music. You the can't things, not
2: play rock and roll, and you must have geographic tongue.
0: <laughs> but you saying you're to gonna have geography.
2: Time. See, I thought you were talking about how your beard would be like in the shape of a country of some kind. Yeah, is it would what be. You mean. It would be lots
0: of. It would be a whole map because it'd be a little clump here, then there'd
2: be. So you basically continent. have an archipelago face, is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah,
0: there'd be a continent over here and an island. Uh, your face
2: would just be Indonesia, is what it would be. I was gonna say yeah.
0: like the South China Sea, just right. <laughs> your
3: Micronesia.
2: face would be Polynesian, even though you're American. Yes. You'd be like part Polynesian, part American. I think we got off track, though. Um, yeah. our oh, graphic
3: tongue is off track from black rockers and white rappers. <laughs> you know, was we like didn't the... get to mention in terms of black rappers, is Ice Cubes, uh, uh, body uh, count. Body counts. I was going to mention black rockers,
2: not black rappers.
3: Block, yeah, whatever. Black oh, black Rapper. Rappers. Rapper. Block <laughs> rockers. That's what we're talking about now. <laughs> Block rock and beats. That's what we're
2: going to talk about. Block <laughs> rock and beats. Hit it, DJ Matt. Eventually, we just <laughs> be talking about Tetris or Legos at some point. We keep talking about blocks. So, what about uh, Ice Cube's what? Or was it Ice? Ice tea Cube or Ice T? Ice well, T. He, he was on the
0: first Lollapalooza tour and he said, Hey, I like Rollins band. I like this heavy sound. I never grew up listening to metal. And he started his own metal kind of, well, I don't know what, were they metal? Like this weird kind of hard. They were like it was like
3: uh, heavy metal with rap, like thrash almost. Yeah, like yeah. thrash metal, and then he rapped kind of. But he also kind of just also
0: sang like a punk rocker or metal nope. guy. Some Not of really. them, I thought
3: some of them a little bit, but mostly it was okay. I I had I I remember driving with my friend in his Volkswagen during the LA riots, listening to Body Count on the cassette player in his car and getting pulled over by the
0: police. Was Cop Killer on right when they pulled you over?
3: I don't think it was on specifically, but it didn't matter because we're like listening to it and maybe it had just been over or whatever. And all of a sudden we see lights and we're like, he's like, you
0: got to turn that off right now. I'm like, okay. Holy shit. Let's put on Olivia Newton-John.
3: Yeah. And then they asked us where we were going and we said, we're heading into Hollywood. And he go, he goes, you know where that's where the, you know the, the trouble is that's where the riots are. and We're like, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be protected by anybody. And we're like, okay,
0: bye. We'll be is, and, and is this when a cop car was mysteriously blown up and you happen to be around? You no, know, <laughs> that was
2: years earlier. Greg. That was
0: earlier. <laughs> yeah, not implying. You know,
2: there is one band that was that successfully combined rap and hard rock. And uh, that would be Lincoln Park. Where? What? Why? Why do you make that face? Because
3: successfully? You, said, you said successfully, and they were they a made shit band. A
2: lot of money. Yes. So so, and the so sh- did the and Teletubbies. Lots of fans.
3: But that doesn't make the Teletubbies good entertainment.
0: Yes. So so did William Randolph Hearst. You made a lot of money yeah. too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> William Randolph Hearst was in a band.
0: No, yeah. well, he was an evil
2: he was an evil cunt. He was in a band with the a of the Teletubbies Linkin Park was not bad. I enjoyed a lot of their stuff. So what was your favorite Linkin Park song? Favorite Linkin Park song. Um, you know, I think I go back and forth between numb and uh probably in the end, because that's the one that I I've done at a karaoke number of times. In the end. I've never, yeah,
0: I've never heard those songs, but I bet they're shit
2: they're
3: not
0: so just <laughs> give, give, give me
3: give me a little bit of a in the
0: end I, I
2: you know i do karaoke for a reason because i can't remember how things go in so, the
3: end nothing else matters no that's
2: metallica that's a different song i don't know i, I would have to buy i'd have to do like a whole karaoke thing about it um but but you know they they've had a, a very long career up until the time when their lead singer killed himself. It was a very popular
0: genre, remember? They called it new metal. Right, and
2: they're the ones who kind of came out of that with their reputation still basically intact. Once that stage was over with.
3: If we're going to talk about a rock metal or a a metal slash rap fusion band, the best that ever was is Rage Against the
0: Machine. Yeah. That's probably a that's terrible. I, that no, is, that they is, did.
2: Not... They just they were more rap than metal, though. They they were like I almost ex- I think you ex- need to exclusively go and... rap, though. They were not doing anything m- melodic in their singing. They're guitars.
0: They're I, no, I mean the, the and...
2: guitars is amazing. Tom Morello. I mean these are hard but to beat. I'm saying it's
0: metal music. guitar.
3: And do you mean melodic. because he didn't sing? Like he didn't go. Oh. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, mainly it's mainly more okay. rap. I think than actual. Like so melody coming out of it. Then
3: we really can't say that Lincoln Park is. Well no, we can't
2: because they would rap in songs and they would sing in songs. Well,
3: that's bullshit. So there you go. <laughs> and they suck. Why and is, they sucked. Why
2: is that bullshit?
3: Because <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> I
0: think that I think the audience is with me. Lincoln Park was a piece of shit. <laughs> and I mean the BC boys, of course, obviously they used metal riffs. And run DMC, you know they. Yeah, but we're, they were straight up. They were just sampling. It wasn't exactly. like
3: they had a guitar solo in the middle of the rap song.
0: But later on, the Beastie Boys on that fourth album, they actually had a couple of hardcore songs. So straight up old school, eighties hardcore. Heart I remember Attack guy, that one.
3: Yeah, Heart Attack Guy is a great song. I remember my when, when I uh, opened for Slayer, going backstage, and in the beginning and slayer was already there and they were just kind of in the green room and hanging out and we were just bringing in our shit and just terrified what, what was
2: the name of your band brendan anorexic youth anorexic youth okay
3: perfect yeah. 80s band name
2: didn't you tour with the weird lovemakers
3: no nah, never did never got out of never got out of the north the <laughs> northwest but anyway they were- they, we went in my point was we went in and that's what slayer was playing like Mad was playing Beastie Boys. That was one of the first times I really heard anybody else besides myself listen to them.
0: So they had already gone rap, the Beastie Boys. They, they weren't listening oh, to Oh, yeah. Them.
3: No, this was late. This was mid late 80s. We're talking 85. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. License to Ill was already out. I think Paul's Boutique. No, I think it was just License to Ill. Anyway.
2: Yeah. Beastie Boys were another band where I realized that I could never predict who would be popular in music because i was positive that they were going to be dead after that song uh fight for your right to party like madonna should have been dead after uh borderline, borderline? or lucky yeah. star that was one lucky star was one that made me cringe every time i saw it come on mtv i like when you on. heard the
0: beastie boys for the first time did you say this is so tired i they was like tired
2: I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, the yeah. weird thing is, like, as years have gone on, it's grown on me, and I like the song. But at the time, I was just like, this just blows. Well,
3: let's just say that Fight for Your Right to Party is the worst Beastie Boys song of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't,
2: I'm not right. a huge fan of uh, Girls or Brass Monkey, for that matter. Those are pretty
3: much the same genre. You need to listen to Paul's Boutique.
2: Best have heard, was it like was Paul Revere on that one? Paul's Boutique is the best Beastie Boys album.
3: No, ever. Paul Revere's on License to man. Yeah, License to oh, no, You're, okay. you're, 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 you're Still very stuck on that. In no. License
2: Tale. No, there's a couple of Beastie Boys songs I really like. Um I really like Sabotage. I like What You Want. Yeah. Um but um yeah, I guess it was that first album. But anyway, but my point is basically I really thought because of like in the three songs that I mentioned, like this band should go nowhere. But obviously that popularized them so they could probably do things that were closer to their nature, I suppose, later on. Yeah, Uh,
3: Paul's Boutique was a a commercial disaster. It was terrible. And the great thing about that is they did more sampling on that than anyone ever had and anyone ever will. Like That album is illegal to make at this point. They did so yeah, that much was, sampling on it. That we was right before the for for law passed. That's right before the law passed, yeah. Which we can thank our last
2: hour. our last guest for ruining, right? <laughs> Mark Jacobson. Oh, yes. That's oh, right. Brendan yes. wasn't here for the show. I, I wasn't
3: here for that guy. Uh,
2: Mark Jacobson was one of the architects of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act.
3: Oh, well, good thing I wasn't, I guess. <laughs> you would have torn into him. Like, how dare would've... you? Piece of shit, and you got a <laughs> shitty website. You know what? Stay with your shitty. Oh, website.
2: he. We actually brought it up, and he said that you're probably right about all of your criticisms. Uh, so he might be right. open for you, like contacting <laughs> him to give him a, a better website. I'm sure website. <laughs> he might. You know, he's got some money; he could afford it. I, I actually saw a preview for one of his movies on the Amazon yesterday, just by like, accidentally coming across it. I thought it was going to be some rinky-dink thing but you know it was like legit well-acted preview of the virtuoso with anthony hopkins anyway so um so with white rappers now obviously in the early days what we had to go on was snow and vanilla ice prior to the beastie boys coming around and uh snow i think added a whole new um a whole interesting take on rap because he was a white guy who actually did have street credibility, you know, having I think he released that while he was in jail.
3: I'm you guys, not you remember big, Snow? Nope, but I can tell you the Vanilla Ice came after the Beastie Boys. Oh,
2: yeah. Was it they it after? Okay. Yeah. Well, after. Snow did the song Informer, which I'm sure nope. you'd recognize. Oh, you don't recognize it's, that?
0: Nope. That's almost like a dub rap. Like it's kind of got a little Jamaican feel, right?
2: Yeah, it's Canadian, Canadian Jamaican.
0: Oh, that Canadian yeah. fucking, oh, yeah. Chili no, okay, right. Rastafarians.
2: Maybe I can't remember the order in which people came. I know Eminem was later on the chain, and he. Eminem is
0: definitely the, way later, but yeah,
2: because he was '90s. But um, and
0: Vanilla Ice did uh, He embarrassed white people enough to not go in a rap for ten years. People were, yeah, like, Van- no, we're Vanilla not cool. Ice was actually
3: early '90s.
0: Yeah.
2: So Snow must have been around that time too. I think in early 90s. Because I it love was how you're hung up 80s. on
3: Snow. I mean, that is a real esot. He's like a uh, one-hit wonder at best. He was
2: totally a one-hit wonder. But the, the reason I'm stuck on it is because uh, Jim Carrey does an impersonation of him that he did on the show Living Color. In Living Color. Sorry, I'm confusing. <laughs> Where it was pretty hilarious. I think he later did one also of Vanilla Ice. Like all the, those guys at the time, they didn't really develop careers. You know, Vanilla Ice. Became just a joke snow was kind of a joke as well but i think it's mainly because he had released the song in prison and then didn't have the time there's, to do it there's
3: one. there's a lot of um and i know this is not a genre of you guys particularly but there's a lot of white rappers that are really actually pretty good um and they are very different from their you know black contemporaries and that their stuff is much more poetic they're more more 9 they're still kind of doing almost 90s rap like arrested development and stuff like that Yeah. You're um, talking about the
2: band arrested development
3: i'm talking about the band not the tv okay. show yes okay uh, oh by the way my wife was telling me she goes i heard a show it's just some regular guys there are three of them and they do the show and i'm like oh cool and she goes i thought you'd like it they're really funny and they're really good i'm like oh yeah i said who are these regular guys she goes um jason bateman i think is one of them i'm like these are not regular guys oh jason, Bat-
2: jason bateman has a podcast with will arnett and then one of the yes. guys from will and grace i've yes.
3: heard it yeah i i heard a little bit of it and she thought, just regular she
2: goes, guy. who's jason bateman anyway yeah,
3: yeah she she didn't she didn't know no one but, knows that um, guy yeah then i showed her and she's like oh i have seen that guy i'm like yes <laughs> but um yeah yeah he was in no.
2: teen wolf too and
3: yeah, um, uh, um, atmosphere is a really great um white rap act.
2: Um, but Arrested I mean, Development I- was a black group.
3: Yes, I'm just saying yeah. there, that that branch of rap which I like, uh-huh. you know, um, I yeah, they were more like
2: a thinking man's rap group. I yeah, think.
3: yeah, yeah, and and so there are still you know white rappers that kind of carry on in that tradition because any white rapper trying to be gangster is just oh, it's yeah. just so cringy so you know if like you
2: everlast could, from house of pain
3: you know but he did the irish thing so he kind of got a little pass like working class dude eh, yeah. maybe but you know beyond that not much you know you're like you know you know fuck it suck it shit in the bucket you know as a white guy it's just really not selling <laughs> wait,
2: wait. yeah Where, is that a new rap song <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, that's a Chris Rock rap song from CB4. <laughs> Have you seen the movie CB4? Oh, I think like I did. Ago. Yeah, that's that's literally one of his rap songs. <laughs> that's the lyric from the rap song.
0: And in defense of Everlast, the Irish are in the United Kingdom. They're the black people of the United Kingdom. The way you know, the way they've been treated. So you think the people just, from the
2: Isle of Man are treated better?
3: Yes, no, they're treated the, like the Irish. shit as well.
0: But
2: no, yeah, the but Manx, the they're the Manx, Greg. Huh? There's t-
3: there's ten of them and no one gives a shit. <laughs>
2: yeah. The people who live on the Isle of Man they're referred to as Manx. That is their. Does Manx. that mean they have? That is their, their appellation little... for the people who live there.
3: That they have a little short tail, not like the regular <laughs> long tail, like a regular cat. They're all <laughs> fuzzy.
2: <laughs> yes. I think all of them are. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Little, man. Little, they have little little penises. Little <laughs> Manx dicks.
0: They were in England because the English soldiers always <laughs> scratch them under the chin. And it's yeah, not you you like, them on the head. It's yeah. not the Irish curse. It's the Manx curse,
2: really. <laughs> right. well, it's like people from Cornwall are Cornish. People in Ireland, Irish. Scotland, Scottish. Scottish. Scottish.
0: Scotland, <laughs> delicious Mmm, Scottish. Hang People nice. from the
2: Isle of Man, for some reason, are called Manx. I don't know why they got that. <laughs> instead of just because maybe they wouldn't didn't want to call them manish. yeah well i mean I because guess if they man, were a female that would be a like an insult possibly
3: i guess you know isle of man man x kind of like latin is now they have latin x is that where the cat comes from cat from latin the manx oh. cat there's a manx cat i is wasn't manx
2: making... or minx
3: oh yeah, no, manx. Or uh, yeah you're
2: talking about the lynx
3: no. no, there's a Manx cat. I, there's I've a Manx it cat. A manx. It's kind of a cat. Actually, you cat. know what? I
2: think that does come from the Isle of
3: Man. And it's got a short tail, or they they cut off its tail because they're assholes over there. I don't know what it is. But.
2: Yes, actually, it is a breed of domestic cat originating on the Isle of Man. There you go. See, it all Problem ties solved. in together.
3: Full circle.
2: Yes, Manx cats. So
3: I've got one for you. So I, 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 I'm not wearing it. I wore it yesterday. I have uh, another. Rapper that I'm into that is, um, uh, Brother Ali, who is on the same record label as um, Atmosphere. And he is an African American albino Muslim from Minneapolis who raps. So I think he gets the triple crown of different things. (laughs) African American
2: albino Muslim. I guess he can get away with it as a Muslim in rapping. Because you're not supposed to sing, I believe, as part of those believe that belief system. But I, I guess you can how, I guess you can rap though.
3: I don't know how super traditional it is, but he's got some songs where he kinda you know, he raps about, you know, Allah and the greatness of all that. And it's and then he's got stuff where he, he's got one, if you really are into it, he's called got uh, what's it called? Uh America Goddamn. It's a good one.
2: That's what everyone says.
0: Yeah.
2: America. God damn. Greg, how how much into rap are you?
0: Not much. I don't like most rap. But the little rap I do like, I like a lot. Like, if I hear Public Enemy, their first few albums, it like kicks my ass, like listening to good punk rock. But most of it, I really do not like. And I know I sound like a stupid old man, but I still think the lyric shit. Like he was talking about Arrested Development. It still sounds like so much rap is guys bragging about bullshit that I could give two shits about, about being rich and owning lots of shit. And it's I'll have ridiculous. To,
3: yeah. Have, you know what, Greg? I think, you'd, I think you'd like the rap I listen to. I can't stand the like the rap that you probably would
0: hear on the radio. Yeah, gangster rap. I that call shit. that
2: gloat rap is my word for it.
3: Yeah, you know, it's
2: like I'm better than you. I have more money than you. Look at my chains. Look, as, look how I killed this guy. Look how great I, I am. Look at my street credibility. All right, good. You're good a knows. bitch, <laughs> you know. right? You know, women are whores. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. It's not my scene. I prefer things that are a little bit more intellectual. And there are some rappers out there who are really smart. I don't know their names, but I've heard them. Yeah,
3: uh, a- Aesop rocks is really good. He's another white rapper that does kind of more intellectual kind of almost like spoken word poetry kind of rap
2: so it's like henry rollins
3: Uh, yeah i guess without
0: so much angsty anger about everything (laughs) and of course a lot of rap to me is like if i like the sample a lot i'll say yeah i like this song it's uh, the rap has to be pretty good and entertaining but yeah i like a lot of rap songs because they sampled a great song here
2: so what has yeah, occurred i think in culture though is that rap has become so pervasive that it's taken over pop music right so yeah, now like most sure. like a huge percentage of songs out there are basically rap songs and you know, i never expected to see that kind of a sea change occur within american culture you know it's it really and i'm curious I, I, i'm curious i haven't really looked into it but how did that occur? Like why and why did that occur? Why did that become the thing that became people popular it music?
0: It happened in the 50s. Rock and roll kind of took over, and almost all the top 40 was semi-rock, some kind of rock flavor of rock. So it just it happens. The mu- musical form sweeps everything else aside. Yeah. And then,
3: I, I think it knows? I think it has um I think it has for whatever reason, I don't understand, but I think it has sort of a broad cross-cultural uh, acceptance or interest or whatever. Like I think a lot of other music genres have gotten pigeonholed. Like, like my kids, I feel are pretty musically diverse. You know, the, they like the black keys, you know, they'll like rage against the machine. They like so
2: black keys. Wouldn't that be cultural appropriation? Cause they took the term black for their name of their band. I'm
3: just gonna Lots keep color. I'm just gonna keep going. Um, okay. So they, they they like all kinds of different music, but they also really like rap. Like even rap, I don't even really like. Like some of the more you know gangster kind of stuff.
2: Or like Lil Wayne.
3: Uh, I don't know about Lil Wayne. Little somebody. Little nausea. Nausee. <laughs> little, little nauseous. Little pin in my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> A little uh, wart on my hand. hand. But but you know part of it was that genre kind of. Boomed when they were kids, and so they have a certain. It's kind of like the guest said, you know, it's not about albums, and it's not even about genres anymore. It's about songs, you know. So like that one song from Little 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 Stank is really good, and I don't <laughs> care about my the rest. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the rest of his shit, but you know, Lil Stank's song about going to the grocery store is awesome, you know?
2: Kind of like when L- it, like 45s were popular when they were just, those were the things that get put out were the 45s right. instead of 45s. Right.
0: What about little Stinker? Is he a rapper? Wasn't that like Bugs Bunny? Yeah. Is that your reference there, Greg? It's an oldies saying. People would say he's a little stinker, that guy, you
2: know? Yeah, but wasn't that a saying from Bugs Bunny?
0: That's probably where I heard it first, yes. Could be. Like, ain't, I, ain't I a
2: little stinker? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I still want you to try an Indian-Scottish accent, though.
0: I, so I, I'd probably offend two different <laughs> classes of people. So I'd have to say two stereotypes of both of them. like. So like, what would groundskeeper Willie say, mixed with what Apu would say?
2: Housekeeper Willie?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Simpsons reference. I forget. Oh,
2: I got it.
0: Yeah. Is Matt not a Simpsons guy or something? Yes. He's the only guy I know who doesn't get Simpsons. I think I've
2: seen one episode, maybe.
3: I'm not a huge Simpsons guy, but I mean, I got the reference. I mean, I'm not part of our show.
2: I know the Apu one. I just didn't know Housekeeper Willie.
3: Yeah, that's got a show. Groundskeeper.
0: Groundskeeper.
2: Oh, I thought you said housekeeper.
0: No, no, he Brown's works keeper. at the school. He's like the janitor guy. I have no idea. And he's a Scottish stereotype through and through. That show has
2: been on for like 30 seasons and I've seen one episode. But, you know, it's just because I don't really watch cartoons. So that's yeah. why I never got into it. I don't mm. really watch. I tried watching. What the hell was that cartoon called? Um, American Dead or no, no, not that one. No, that's a bad no. one. That's not that uh, good. The one with the kid with the big head. Family um, Guy. That one. I tried that one. I gave it like a half a season. And then I finally gave up. I'm like, I can't watch cartoons. I can't. I'm like, it's just I just am not enjoying this. You know,
3: is it trying to a, give
0: the Simpsons at least the first 10 seasons? Well, not the first one. Give it the Jesus, first 10 the seasons. First <laughs> Second Christ. through 10 is all gold. Second through 10 I, season. Every I'm going gonna,
3: gonna to tell you right now, Family Guy is uh, 50 times better than any of the Simpsons. Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll look into
3: it. No, the I Family Guy they they do the whole like the the side jokes and it's a little more it's a little more grown up and it's a little more dirty and then they do the will like break into musical numbers which are fucking hilarious. Now the talent and the writing in that are way better. The Simpsons get credit because they were the first.
0: Yeah. For the most yeah. part. I thought Family Guy was just a rip off of The Simpsons. I watched the first It, 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 it kind of was. Well, you know, they're sick.
2: all rip offs of Bugs Bunny, aren't they, Greg? But,
3: but wait a no. minute now, Matt. Like on the cartoon thing, so no Rick and Morty.
2: Never seen it now. Oh my god! I did. I, see you know, I one... just, I just never got into cartoons as an adult. You know, the weird thing is, when I was young, when I was a kid, I'm like, I will always watch cartoons. I will take cartoons to my grave. <laughs> Who <laughs> gives a shit? I mean, somewhere it's... along the line, I just it's... like it. Just they weren't appealing to me.
3: It's a weird thing. It's like they're they're like close your eyes and it's they could be real people, but somehow because they're little two dimensional drawings, it's a big turn off. Like
2: I think I'm more attracted to a visual medium. Yeah. So if if, if I'm not really getting the if I'm not really digging the art of it, then I'm not going to really get into it. And I think it's probably a large part of it is that um, you know the two dimensional.
3: Here's what you need.
2: To do. are just not that cool for me. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see some things are funny. Like I said, you know, I, I watched, I think, about a half a season of Family Guy, and there, there were things that were funny, you know, but it wasn't something that where I wanted to come back to. You know, was there two I, laughs
0: an episode for you on Family Guy? I day? think there
2: was probably more than two, yeah. but, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm. I guess I just would rather watch Real Housewives.
0: <laughs> are we still recording? Um, that <laughs> yes, we like are. It. That sounds like th- again,
3: the <laughs> fact that you're like I'll watch Real Housewives, but Rick and Morty are family guy. Yeah, are you know,
2: Real Housewives again, for me it's think, like a National Geographic special. But that's obviously I don't think appealing. that's a matter
3: of visual art form as much as it is personal taste. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, for me, it's again I, I consider it like my national Geographic specials, you know i I look at it as the mating habits of the <laughs> the delusion Wow, well, that's... <laughs> that's what I look at it so for me it's that's that's, it studies, not, condi- that's not condescending in human at all jesus christ who said that i wasn't condescending i never no took not that me claim. i'm just saying i never claimed that as a, a halo for myself i ne- I, I have no condescension within me i am you always totally say a, that i am I'm always, always a nice that, person
0: you always say huh. that i'm elitist that sounded like the most elitist thing i've ever heard what is elitist what are you talking about I watch these people as lesser than, like you're some. Oh, yeah. I watch
3: these fucked up people like I watch monkeys mating (laughs) in the savannah. It's a little (laughs) elitist, you got to admit. It's really beyond condescension. I think
2: I, I, I could be that way because I don't work at those levels of society. So. That's how I give myself the pass on that condescension. Because
0: you're not a housewife from New Jersey.
2: Because I don't have like a, a ton of money, and I'm working in, in these circles that those people work in of like. Uh, I don't oh, know. so you're
0: punching up, as they say.
2: Exactly, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working against the grain is what I'm oh. doing. I'm, oh. you know, I want to be those people so that I could then, you know, look down on everyone else like they do. So the things I have that to... come
0: out of your mouth.
2: What are you trying to say, Greg?
0: Nothing. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting i'll give you that it's what, ma- what made
2: that interesting to you
0: um we just went over
2: it <laughs> you didn't tell me what th- the interesting part was
3: i think we've covered it actually really? yeah. I think it's time to move on back to i did not find it interesting so why well, well you know we we've, we've well, that's with because rappers maybe, so much. maybe if maybe if greg and i started yelling at each other and calling ourselves ethnic slurs and then you know i i uh, threw a bottle against the wall maybe that would be more entertaining if we had started just manifesting more white trash
2: <laughs> I, I think I we do know. a pretty good job I, th- at it. I think it would yeah. be entertaining to some people sure you know if uh, you know a little bit of violence goes a long way for viewership
3: hey I've done my part I don't see either one of you doing your part I nah. I, I, took, the hit. I hit? took the hit
2: which hit on the show what hit did you take Literally. Oh, right, the, the literal <laughs> hit got it you're like yeah. talking
3: about violence. I'm the only one who's That's true. actually given the show violence.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have anybody who. E- well, I guess my wife does eavesdrop on me a bit sometimes. She's not doing it today because the air conditioning is out, and so she's up and upstairs where we have the portable air conditioning running. But um, yeah, so yeah i don't know she's never coming to whack me for any reason
0: i have the window open a crack and the place across the way is like 10 feet away so they could be eavesdropping on me and that would be amazing if one of my neighbors just walked to my door and smacked me in the head because they did not like <laughs> what i was saying that would be a great episode
2: maybe you know we, could, Greg, we could plan I think that
0: it, i think you should set that up actually Stay if you it. get
2: jen to come by since she has shown up on the podcast before she was, yeah. she was here earlier at your place no, no, today. I'm saying that
0: that one time.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I she would gladly hit you in the head because she certainly yeah, hit she, me a number of times. She's so, wanted to hit me many times. But she's she's, she's so kind well. of violent sometimes. So yeah, it's like at times I've said to her, "I'm like, why are you hitting me? I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> why are you hitting me, person? Anyway, all right. So uh, before we close off this particular client um is there any final statements regarding black rockers i mean i would like to see a lot more i would like them to come back and revisit this at their next conference and go you know what we want to take rock and roll back (laughs) yeah they (laughs) should get their their committees together and make that so please you know committee for black rock music please get back together and say we want to uh Bring this back and, and take back our our
0: art form. Well, I'm going to start a nonprofit encouraging more young Black youths to uh, get into rock and roll. It's like kind of like a school of rock.
2: Well, if you're not familiar with Gary Clark Jr., I brought him up earlier, and John Butcher was familiar with him. But if you're not familiar with him, check him out. He's like a really amazing young guitarist, young African American guy. Well, I guess you know to us he's young. Yeah, I think he's in his thirties now. Um, does his own cover of "Come Together," which is phenomenal and yeah. uh you should uh look into him greg there's but yeah there's one. not a lot of I'm others denying. you know yeah
0: you know, i'm not there's, denying There's there's always some black rocker somewhere but just not so few. yeah but not
2: on like large quantities you know there's there's like one oh. band that i know there's like a it's like a death metal band has a uh what's the name of the band i think it's avenge sevenfold and they're maybe not death metal but they're like a hard heavy metal band they have a, a black lead singer you know, just type Avenge, of music.
3: Avenge Sevenfold is death metal.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're quite death metal. I think they're nah. just more of a heavy metal band. Um, well, if they do
0: the barking dog voice. Death they metal
2: do way. that thing as part of <laughs> it.
0: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who let the devil out? Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> That's where it goes. Anyway, so as a reminder to everyone, we are doing our anniversary show on June 23rd. It's going to be live on YouTube for two hours. So there'll be some form of interaction if I could figure it out, if you want to like send us comments, or it could just be a total screw up where like nobody else shows up and like interacts with us, which would be fun with us too, because we're obviously, you know, enamored with the sounds of our own voices, which is why we do this podcast. So um, don't forget though, that it's June 23rd. It will be a Wednesday. We'll try to have a host of... Of guests showing up i don't know who will I've, i have we have not gotten any rsvps yet but we do have people who said that they're interested and they'll try to make it so um we'll see how that turns out um but i do want to thank our guest from earlier which was john butcher notably of the john butcher access and you can find uh, more about him on JohnButcher.com. butcher.com gregor brendan do you have anything special that you want to add to the end of this particular episode
0: worst show ever worst <laughs> i'm ashamed of us
2: it's like every show is the worst show it's like we, we, we get, the everyone is gets it gets worse and worse as we go along
0: i'll i'll
3: i'll i'll be in new york the week after next
2: oh yeah right so if anybody wants to hook up with brendan i'll try not to he'll be busy
3: i no, no. will be at the on the website Just i've, I've already on. i've already gotten texts from your uh from your sister greg
2: Excellent. oh gosh oh no
0: I told her not to send you annoying memes and shit. No, to, to no. Memes it's, to your mailbox. It's, it's yeah, that could good. happen.
2: Well, she's, She hasn't been no, doing that will. much recently, though. Oh, as a reminder also for the anniversary show, we have a lot of surprises going to be happening. We're going to have a new intro, a new outro to the show. We're going to have new artwork, a new logo probably by then. Um, what else? Our, we'll have merchandise at that stage. Uh, you keep forgetting the main store.
0: reason. You keep forgetting the main event. It's the first annual Quibbley's
2: award. Well, Quibbley's, I mean, okay. So we, we, I guess, we can announce that. So we're going to be giving awards to all of the guests that have been on the show um, that appear in some form or another. Ah, we can give it to me if they don't show up. We'll just make that easy, you know, because okay. it'll just be done via electronic means anyway. So it's it shouldn't be. I mean, I don't. Of course, I don't know what this award is going to be, but it'll be something, and they'll get it, whatever it is. It'll be it'll, fungible. Their name and lights, yeah, it'll be completely fungible. No non fungible trading going on here, fully fungible, and uh, other f words that you that's can my new
3: that. uh rap name. I'm Little Fungi,
2: <laughs> that'd be fungi.
3: No, no, Fungi.
2: I would be, but if you spell it, but it's
3: fun, P H O N with a big G, just fun-gy. the letter G. So yeah, it would be like P H U
2: N hyphen G.
3: No hyphen. Just slapped up uppercase G.
2: So then it would just be fung.
3: Fungi. No.
2: They wouldn't no. know to pronounce the G that way. And we'll put a colon in
3: there because we'll put a colon in there.
2: Oh, that'd be different. Everybody no one uses a colon. a colon. Nobody uses a colon. Mm-hmm.
3: Semicolon. That would be
0: No, nice. they don't it's
2: use semicolons it. or rap names either, Greg. No, you,
0: you got to go full colon got it if There's you're gonna go jimmy jimmy hendrix colon semicolon experience nobody ever did that in rock
2: no and so brendan will be breaking yeah. new ground he it's will cool. be a, our low, our own visionary
0: and one more thing the name of the award might change in the next few weeks this we're, we're spitballing here but well no, i think we
2: i think we voted equibly is what it's called
0: but even if it's not it will be very prestigious let me just say <laughs> No matter we, what it's called We'll have to
2: come up with their own academy that is supporting the quibbly.
0: Those who receive it will be very proud of themselves and they should. Yes,
2: because no one else will have them. It'll be very much exclusive
0: and fungible.
2: And fungible. <laughs> On that note, I want to thank everybody for listening to the law offices of Quibble Squabble and Bicker. Bye. You've left the offices of
1: Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. It's over. It's over. It's time for you to go home. It's over. It's over. Go away now.